I fell in love with Jordan at, at the lunch table back in, I guess it was February or March. I want you to know I've been doing this 24 years. I've been, next year is going to be a cool year. It's my 25th year in full-time ministry and my 10th year pastoring here. So it'll be a neat year. But 24 years in ministry, I've never, ever had uh, returned an evangelist phone call and actually went and met and actually had them come because it can be a headache sometimes. But I could sense this young man is full of the Holy Spirit. And he had the same spirit that I did. And, and I'm excited. He's a, he's a pastor's kid. His, past, his dad pastors in Indiana. And they're about an hour from here. He's a good Indiana young man. Met his wife, Casey, in the church, I believe. And I think, as I recall, at lunch, he said she knew they were to be married before he did. But he finally came around to the idea. And, uh, but it's a wonderful young couple. And I'm very excited to have Jordan Cunnington to come to this pulpit now. And... I'll leave it up to him where he goes from there. But uh, if yeah, I've never done this in 24 years. So if it goes south, it won't. But you're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit's here. And I know I've just sensed that he is here under the divine appointment of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to welcome, give him a good bridge of hope. Welcome to Jordan Cunnington, Assembly of God, Minister of the Gospel. He's got a bachelor's degree in Bible and theology. He's got a wonderful, humble spirit. And so I want you just right now, if you will, to join me and let's welcome Jordan to this pulpit. Amen. Can we give the Lord a clap offering in this place? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Wow. God is so good. Amen. God is so good. Amen. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I hope so. I'm excited to be here. It's, it's afternoon. I'm sorry. You'll probably hear me say that seven different times today. It's 3 p.m., so you've got to give me a break here. I'm excited to be here. This is my lovely wife, Casey. Um, she is my better half. Uh, she's the reason we get invited to places and invited back to places. Everybody loves my wife, so I thank God for her. Um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her, so I just say thank you to her. And Pastor Dallas, thank you so much for allowing us to come here today. I feel Jesus in this place. Now, folks, we can't take that for granted. Is this okay if I just, I just kind of, this may not be like a sermon sermon. I just, I just want to flow in the Holy Spirit. But as we've been approaching Pentecost over these last several weeks coming into Pentecost, I've just had this thought kind of stirring in my spirit, not just in this church, but in every church, Lord, if, if we have to get people excited about Pentecost and a Pentecostal church, then the first thing we need to do is repent and get to these altars. My goodness, God, forgive us if we thought we could do it without your Holy Spirit. Forgive us if we thought we could do it without praying in tongues and, and, and cultivating an atmosphere that ushers in the presence of God. I've got notes, I promise. I'll show you them afterwards if you want to see them, but I really just feel in my spirit. We just need to flow in the Holy Spirit. Can we do that this afternoon? Because how many of you know God wants to do something in this place? How many of you know God is already moving in this place? I thank God for what he's doing in this house. I can feel the presence of God. Never take that for granted, friend. Never get bored with the presence of God. Never get tired of the presence of God. You need the presence of God in your church. You need the presence of God in your home, friend. 
You cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Did you know we didn't have to wait till this Sunday to have Pentecost? <laughs> Did you know we didn't have to wait till this Sunday to, to pray in the Holy Ghost? I pray in the Holy Ghost often. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is a person. Doctrinally speaking, theologically sound speaking, he is a person. He's not an unction. He's not a feeling. He's not a force. He's God and he's a person. So I can communicate with the Holy Spirit wherever I'm at. I don't have to wait till I get to church on Sunday to communicate with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if I only communicated with my wife when I felt like it? When I got this unction in me to, to, to communicate to her? We wouldn't have a very good relationship, would we? Come on, somebody. Well, Jordan, there has to be an interpretation. That's different than the gift and the interpretation of tongues. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, every single person that was there, that was filled with the Holy Spirit, received the prayer language of tongues. Your prayer language is something that you and I can receive, and we can exercise that, and we need to do it more often. You say, Jordan, I don't understand what I'm saying. Guess what? Neither does the devil. That's good news, because you have, you've been fighting devils and demons, and you don't understand the assignment of the enemy, but when you pray in the Holy Ghost, when you pray in tongues, friend, the enemy's assignment gets confused. The enemy doesn't know which way to turn because you're not praying to man. You're not praying to the devil. You're praying straight to God. Praise you, Lord. If you really need to turn to a scripture this afternoon, just go to Acts chapter 1. Just open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, and we'll just go from there and see what happens. Acts chapter 1. I'll be reading from the NIV translation for most of these verses. But Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence in this place. Jesus, it is all about you. And we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus, you went to heaven so that you could send our comforter, our counselor. God, we ask that right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you would release a fresh outpouring. That every heart in here, every spirit in here be open to receive from you, God. Whatever it is, whatever it is you want to do today, God, we say, yes, Lord. We say, yes, Lord, because you only give good gifts to your children. Thank you, Lord. Anoint us, God, to receive this word this afternoon. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm in Acts chapter 1. I'm going to drop down to verse 15, Acts chapter 1, verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture has to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. 
And then Peter goes on to describe this. And then we go down to verse 21 and it says, Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they mentioned two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Verse 24, Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Let's stop right there and spend some time. This is the last time the Bible would mention casting lots. It was a method they would use Oftentimes you'll see it in the Old Testament. Sometimes God was on it and he would use it and sometimes God wasn't. I don't have time to go into the background of all that. But this was the last time they would cast lots in Acts chapter 1. What would they do when they would cast lots? They would do that to determine the will of God. What was God speaking? What was God saying? But yet here in Acts 1, it's the last time they do that. Why? Because in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And then they could hear the voice of God directly. They didn't always need some outward manifestation, some outward sign. They knew that the Holy Spirit bore witness inside of them. Some of you, if you just knew what you were carrying on the inside of you, that when God saved you and he baptized you in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, friend. He lives in you. The testimony of what Pastor Holly was giving about the sister that laid her hand on her ankle. I love that. I love that. You know why? Because for too long in the church, we've been looking for a minister to come and lay his or her hands on us. And I believe in the laying on of hands. I believe it's scriptural, of course. But let me tell you something, church. In these last days, you need to get your own anointing. You need to get your own anointing, friend. The days of being spoon-fed the anointing, the days of looking to your pastor or to an evangelist or your favorite YouTube preacher to give you some more anointing, those days are over, friend. Jesus is coming back soon. He's coming back for a bride that is pure, spotless, without wrinkle, without blemish. And he's not going to ask you who preached to you. He's not going to ask you where would you get your anointing from if your anointing comes from the Holy Spirit. So it's the last time they would cast lots because now the Spirit of God lived inside of them. (laughs) Acts chapter 2, we continue. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can we stop right there for just a minute in Acts chapter 2, verse 2? What was filled? We always go straight to the people that were filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's wonderful, but notice that the house, the place where they were praying, was filled. See, when the Holy Spirit comes in and he fills the room, it supercharges the atmosphere. And it makes it a place possible for God's people to be filled. It makes a place where signs, miracles, and wonders can happen. 
That's why it's imperative that when we come to the house of God, we come to cultivate a place, an atmosphere where the presence of God is welcome. See, we get confused in the church today because there's a lot of goofy teaching in the New Age movement about atmospheres and vibes and this and that. That is is hogwash, friend. That is garbage. That is a mockery of what God wants to do in these last days. So is it about atmosphere? Absolutely. What were they doing? They were together. They were in one accord, and they were praying. Did you know that every great revival started with a prayer meeting? Do your history. Do your research. Every great revival started with a prayer meeting. I refuse, I refuse to keep the Holy Spirit in the back room. I refuse to keep the Holy Spirit just in my prayer closet. I am not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. I am not ashamed when the Holy Spirit begins to move. I'm not ashamed to pray to the Holy Spirit to worship Him because He is God and He glorifies Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Some of you got family members, friends, they think you're weird. The sad thing is, they claim they're serving Jesus. (laughs) I am much more concerned about offending the Holy Spirit than I am about offending you, friend. It's amazing. Sometimes we get up in pulpits and we're like afraid to speak in tongues because it may offend somebody. But yet you can look out in a congregation and someone can stand like this through the whole worship service. Now, friend, let me ask you something. Which one of those do you think offends God more? Are you ashamed of the Holy Spirit? I refuse to be ashamed of the Holy Spirit in my church and in my home and in my family because he's done too much in my life and for my life. So God didn't just fill the people. First, he filled the room. See, we, 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 think, we think that when God moves, we think that it's all on God. Yes, God is sovereign. That is true. That is very true. But friend, he is looking to and fro. He is searching for a place, for a hungry people that would say, God, we need you. It doesn't matter who the visitors are today. God loves them. Yes, he cares about them. We want new people to come, but we do not want to compromise the presence of God. We do not want to forsake the presence of God for visitors and those who may get offended. I am not here to placate religious spirits. Those days are over, friend. It's time to get your own anointing, to get the Holy Ghost fire inside of you. You will not do it without the Holy Spirit in these last days. You can't. So God didn't just fill the people, he filled the room, and then then he filled the people. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It was a gift. You have to understand, it was a gift. God gave them the gift, and then it was up to them to steward that gift. That'll preach right there. (laughs) Because there's a lot of people, they come to altars, 
And churches all over America, all over the world, they get a gift from God. They get something imparted to them. It is genuine. It is sincere. But they never do anything with it. They sit on it, and guess what happens? Eventually, God takes the gift from them because He says, they're not willing. They won't be used by me. They're trying to, to make it by their own, their own, own actions, their own behaviors. It's not about arriving. It's about His anointing. Because too many people think, I have to arrive before I can be used by God. Oh. Too many people think they have to be perfect before they can be used by God. And so we have people, young and old alike, they'll sit in church year after year after year with gifts, talents, anointing, but they never use it. Because they're afraid, they think I may make a mistake or I haven't arrived yet or I don't have the gift that this one has or that one has or I'm not anointed as anointed as so and so. Friend, the same, whole, the same anointing that I carry, the same anointing that Pastor Dallas carries is the same anointing that you can have because it doesn't come from a man. It doesn't come from a politician. It doesn't come from a denomination. It comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from His Holy Spirit. Jesus, we need you, Lord. Then we see when the Holy Spirit is poured out, we go to Acts chapter 3, and you know that Peter and John are going to the place of prayer. And there was a man there at the gate called Beautiful. And he sat there, and he was lame. And Peter and John walking by, they got his attention. And what did the lame man do? He expected them to give him something. <laughs> and Peter looked at him and he said, silver and gold, have I not? <laughs> In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. It's about him. It's about him, church. You know the story. Hopefully, if not, go back and read it today. I don't have time to cover all of it. The people were filled with amazement and wonder because this man had been healed. And I read this, and it was the first time that, that I ever saw this. You know how sometimes you'll read a passage of Scripture, you'll read it 10, 20, 30, 100 times. And then the 101st time you read it, it's like God just whoosh, downloads something into your spirit. And I saw that the people, they were in wonder. The people, they were in amazement. I'm like, God, this is incredible. This is genuine wonder. This is genuine amazement. And then it hit me. Genuine wonder, genuine amazement doesn't come from what man can do for God. It comes from what God can do for man. I thank God for the men and women of God, the mentors he has placed in my life. And I love them dearly. I would go to war with them anywhere. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I don't answer to them, I answer to Jesus. One day, friend, you and I are going to stand before the throne of God. And we're going to give an account for every deed that we carried out with these hands, every word that we spoke out of our mouth. That's why we need God to sanctify this tongue, <laughs> to baptize us in the Holy Ghost and fire.
Shuramasi. What did Peter call what did what did Pentecost do for Peter? What did Pentecost do for Peter? Peter went from boldness to boldness with clarity. I'll say that again. Peter went from boldness to boldness with clarity. How many of you know Peter was bold? Peter was very bold. Even before the Holy Spirit was poured out, Peter always had a word. He always had a word for the Lord. He always wanted to instruct Jesus. Peter was always getting in trouble with his mouth. He was bold, but he didn't have clarity. But when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up and he had boldness, but now he spoke with precision. He spoke with accuracy. He spoke with clarity. And when the people were wondering what is going on, he said, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about, that in the last days, God would pour out his spirit on all flesh, all people. So Peter goes from boldness to boldness with clarity. See, if you're bold but you don't have clarity, you will seem very obnoxious. You will seem very arrogant. You will seem very unteachable. It's not just about being bold, but your boldness coming from your confidence in your relationship with God. (laughs) Self-confidence, friend, will only get you so far. Self-confidence, you'll have some success with self-confidence. But the day you miss the mark, the day you mess up, you'll realize, wow, I'm not good enough. Wow, I can't do it without you, God. We need the Spirit of God in our lives. Peter goes from boldness to boldness with clarity. What else did Pentecost do for Peter? It caused Peter to stand up differently. See, in Acts chapter 1, Peter, he stood up to lead. But in Acts chapter 2, he stood up to serve. In Acts chapter 1, he stood up to lead the prayer meeting. But in Acts chapter 2, he stood up to serve the gospel. He stood up to bring the gospel forth with all boldness and all clarity without compromise. My friend, this day and age where preachers and ministers are falling left and right and they're compromising the gospel, they're watering down the gospel trying to sanitize it. My friend, that is not of God. That is not of the word of God. Be cautious what you listen to. Be cautious of every preacher that you hear through radio, in television, through internet because not everyone is seeking first the kingdom of God and they may have a big following. They may have a big church. They may have, have a lot of likes on Facebook but are they really seeking first the kingdom of God? Are they really interested in having the presence of God come into their church because friend the presence of God is what transforms a region a city a church you will not do it without the Holy Spirit man-made structures man-made organizations are good but they are not above God and they cannot sustain a move of God we, we say things sometimes and I mean this with all due respect, and I, I've said this before. I've said this from the pulpit before, so please don't take this as a belittling or condemning thing, but we say goofy things sometimes in church. Like, don't put God in a box. Okay, has anybody else ever said that before? Come on. 
Come on. Friend, God is not in your box. (laughs) You may be in a box, but the Holy Spirit is not in a box, friend. And my hope today is not that you would make your box bigger, but that you would allow God to completely dismantle your box, completely destroy your box. That's what he did on the day of Pentecost, was it not? (laughs) something they had never seen before, something they had never experienced before because they were all about seeking the Lord. God, what is it that you want? Jesus, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. I'm excited when young people get saved and they want to preach the gospel. That is an incredible thing. That is so awesome. But please do not send your young people out to the streets and out preaching the gospel if they are not first filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, it's true. The most cataclysmic event in Christianity was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I would have thought that would have been a perfect time that when Jesus rose from the dead and revealed himself to his disciples, that he would have said, go preach the gospel. He did say that, but he said, but first, before you go to the nations of the earth, I need you to go to the upper room and I need you to pray and seek my face and tarry because I need to pour out my spirit upon you. You cannot do this. You You cannot do this on your own, friend. It won't happen. You know, the devil, I would say 50 years ago in this nation, please somebody testify to this. I wasn't around then. (laughs) But 50 years ago, he was a little bit more subtle and sly and tried to deceive people. He tried to hide in the background in the nation of America. But today, (laughs) the devil's not even hiding anymore. He's not hiding anymore. He's, he's everywhere. He just comes out openly. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his discernment in our life. Crazy things are happening in our world today. I love my nation. I support my nation. I thank God for my nation. But there's only one banner, friend. There is only one banner that will stand tall when this is all said and done. The Chinese flag, the North Korean flag, the American flag will all burn up in an ash heap. But Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner, is the only one that will stand tall. And he will have the last word. He will have the last word, friend. I wish I could say that we'll never see persecution in our nation, but it's already happening. (laughs) And no, I don't have a death wish. But a day could come, friend, where you and I could have to give our lives for the gospel. Could you do that? Could you lay your life down for the gospel of Jesus Christ? You need his power. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. I thank God for Pentecost. What did Pentecost do for Peter? Peter goes from my ministry to the Holy Spirit's ministry. (laughs) You can ask my wife this, and and I do mean this. I, I don't even like to say my ministry. In fact, I very rarely pray that way. I'll say, God, please use this ministry that you have called us to, but I don't call it my ministry. Why? Because it's not our ministry. (laughs) It's really that simple. And if the Lord should tarry and he calls me home one day and this ministry continues, he'll pass it on to whoever. But at that point, it's not my problem. (laughs) My friend, it is not your ministry. It is the Holy Spirit's ministry. 
In Acts chapter 1, Peter was talking. He said, we need somebody to replace Judas for our ministry. But in Acts chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira, when they sin against the Holy Spirit, Peter is not so concerned that they've sinned against him. He's not concerned that they've withheld money from his offering plate. Peter is concerned because they have lied to the Holy Spirit. They have tested the Holy Spirit. When Peter got the Holy Ghost, he realized it wasn't about his ministry. It wasn't about his pedigree and his accolades. It was all about the ministry of Jesus Christ. And my hope and prayer is that we would see a generation of ministers that would rise up and say, God, I'm desperate for your presence. I am not desperate for a platform. I am not desperate to be on social media. I am desperate for the Holy Spirit in my life. God, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. What else did Pentecost do for Peter? Peter goes from finding sheep to feeding sheep. He goes from fishing for men to making disciples. If you are only about conversions, you will have a very shallow church. God is not about making conversions. He's about making disciples. You can have a discipleship program that is awesome, that's incredible, but can I tell you, friend, the greatest discipleship program is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I've got good news for you. It's not just a one-time, one-and-done deal. You can continue to be filled with the Spirit of God every day. As you encounter Him, as you meet with Him, He will continually pour out His Spirit upon you. See, the issue... The issue has never been on the supply. The issue is on the demand. We have to put a greater demand on the anointing, a greater demand on ourselves to get into the presence of God so we can put a demand on His anointing to rest upon us. Not just converts, not just carbon copies, but disciples. Number five, what did Pentecost do for Peter? Pentecost go, or Peter goes from competing to completing. <laughs> you remember in John chapter 21, I'm, knowing, I, I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you this morning, but I just believe the word of God does a much better preaching job than I do. <laughs> you remember in John chapter 21 where Jesus comes and he, he reinstates Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus reveals to Peter how he's going to die. And then after that conversation, what does Peter do? He points at the disciple whom Jesus loved. We know him as the Apostle John who wrote the Gospel of John. And he says, but what about him, Lord? And what does Jesus say? Don't worry about him, Peter. What is that to you? You do what I've told you to do. See, I think Peter and John, they got on each other's nerves. (laughs) They're always annoying each other. They're always, who can be first? Who can be last? Who's going to sit at the right hand of the Father? But after the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit was poured out, what did John and Peter do? (laughs) They saw revival break out. Not just in Jerusalem, but in Samaria. 
into other parts of the world. They saw healings. They saw salvations. They saw begin. They, they saw God beginning to move in ways they had never experienced before. See, Jesus said, you will do greater things than these. He didn't say, you will be greater than me. He said, you will do greater things than these. And I believe part of that is receiving the Holy Spirit and operating in His anointing, operating in His presence. Peter had a change. He goes from competing to completing. And I see too many people today, they want to compete. We treat preachers like the NFL draft. <laughs> who's, my, who's my top ten right now? Who's my favorite preacher going right now? Who's my number one overall pick? It is not about competition. It's not about who's the best preacher in the room. I have been raised in a pastor's home. I have heard good preaching all my life from, inter from internet, from radio, from television, and all of that is wonderful, friend. But guess what? Can I be very honest with you this morning? Preachers, good preaching is a dime a dozen. It really is. You can hear a lot of good preaching out there, but are they anointed? That's my question. Are they hearing from God? Are they meeting with God? One day, every preacher will stand before the Lord. And they're teaching, they're preaching what they released into congregations, into people all across the world, they're going to have to answer to God for that. I won't get through all of these, but I was going to get into the four P's of Pentecost, but for time's sake, I'm just going to go through this rather quickly, Lord willing. What is the purpose of Pentecost? Number one, be filled with God. Acts 2.4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Number one purpose of Pentecost is to be filled with God. Not filled with yourself, not filled with a personality, but to be filled with God. Not even to speak in tongues, not even to fall on the floor, and all those things are wonderful, and I've had much time with God on the carpet, and I love the presence of God when He comes and He moves on me, and I just let loose and let Him do whatever He wants to do. But the most important thing that you need to know today is that God wants to fill you. See, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, since that time, mankind has had a longing to be filled with something, and that longing Longing is to be filled with God. But if you don't go to God to be filled, you will turn to the world. You will turn to the devil. You will turn to the flesh to fill you and to satisfy you. But you have to go to the King of kings and Lord of lords. If you truly want to be fulfilled in this life, we are filled to be fulfilled. We have a longing to be filled. And God has a longing to fill us. But you and I have to be open. A vessel that says, here I am, God. Fill me. I'm open. I will receive. God, take everything else away if you have to. There's two words in church we really don't like to hear. Surrender and sacrifice. How much of your heart are you willing to give to God today? How much are you willing to sacrifice I found that some people, they come to God and they're genuine. They love the Lord. But they also want to love God and love the things of the world. 
Did you know that anything in your life can become an idol, friend? Anything can become an idol in your life. Anything can try to steal your heart. God is looking for vessels in these last days, and I don't care what your age is, it does not matter. God is looking for vessels in these last days who would just say, here I am, God. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not the the best preacher. I can't pray with the best of them. I I may not be able to sing and, and play the keyboard or play the guitar, but God, here I am. Send me, God. Here I am. Use me. The number one purpose of this day was to be filled with God. Number two is to celebrate the harvest. (laughs) That's what the day of Pentecost was about. The festival of weeks, the festival of harvest. They were celebrating the first fruits of the harvest. That's what they were doing. See, the disciples were the first fruits of Jesus' ministry, but the disciples were about to witness the first fruits of the Holy Spirit's ministry. Where they would preach the gospel and 3,000 people would give their life to Christ. (laughs) That's why you need the Holy Spirit in your life, friend. Are you excited about the harvest? No, no, no. I said, are you excited about the harvest? No, do you believe in the harvest? Do you believe in an end-time harvest? Do you believe in an end-time revival that is bigger than anything else we have ever seen before? Bigger than even what the apostles experienced? I believe there is an end-time move of God coming, an end-time revival happening where souls by the millions will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it's not going to come from just one preacher or one platform. It's going to come from a multitude of believers who will rise up and say, God, send us to the battle line. Send us to the front line. We're willing to go, God, wherever you say to go. We'll do it. Can we get the worship team to begin to make their way up here, please? See, I don't know how <laughs> theologically sound this is. <laughs> Everybody gets nervous. Pastor Dallas is like, oh no, get, grab the microphone, hurry. I don't know how theologically sound this is, but sometimes in my own mind, I just think, you know what, that sounds pretty good, Lord. I really don't believe that Christ is coming back for a bride who's got cute little shiny white slippers on. I believe God is coming back for a bride in combat boots. It's time to lace up, and it's time, listen to me, listen to me, it is time to get in or get out. We can't do it without the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, friends. What I truly believe, and and I got to be careful because I know Pastor was talking a little bit about this with the state of the union of the church, but just... I'm not trying to add to anything, and, and he, can, he can clean up my mess when we're done here today. But I truly believe what has happened since March of 2020, I truly believe God has been exposing the church for what it really is. He has been exposing people to see who is real and who is playing games with God. You know, back in March of 2020, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt because back then they told us that everybody was going to get it and everybody was going to die. So we really didn't know how serious it was. And so I understand that. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. 
But now, over a year later, people are still terrified, still hiding in their homes, still not going to the house of God. They can go to Walmart, they can go to the gas station, they can go to Kroger, but you can't make it to the house of God. Friend, I wonder where your priorities are at. I wonder, is the presence of God really valuable to you? Has it really changed your life? Because if the presence of God has done something to you, you will not settle for old religion. You will not settle for sitting on your couch and watching from your couch with a latte on Facebook. You will get to the house of God because you know His presence is there. God is omnipresent, true, but His manifest presence, His tangible presence, His concrete presence where you can hear Him, you can see Him, you can smell Him, you can taste and see that the Lord is good where the presence of God fills up our senses. There was a portal of glory that happened in Acts chapter 2. God is omnipresent, yes, but where did he pour out his spirit? On the people that were in the upper room. They came to the house of God. The glory, (laughs) the kabod, that's the Hebrew word, the kabod, the glory. It's the weighty presence of God. W-E-I-G-H-T-Y, the weighty presence of God. I want his glory, friend. I want his spirit. Stand to your feet this morning. Come on. Pastor told me this was a tongue-talking church. Do I have any tongue-talking believers who are not ashamed? Come on. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on. Who's been filled with the Holy Ghost? Who's been baptized in the Holy Ghost in fire? Who's not ashamed of the Holy Spirit? Who's not ashamed to be used by God? Who's not ashamed to let the Spirit of God move on them? If you're not ashamed, friend, get out of your seat and make your way to these altars. If you're not afraid, come forward. See what God wants to do in this place. Who is not ashamed of the Holy Ghost? Come on, come on. Come on, who's not ashamed? Come on, Shonda Rabah.